0: Miss our kids. Woo. You know, when I first started pastoring, um, Mondays were hard for me. And sometimes Mondays are still hard for me. Because I used to think, man, worship service wasn't really that good yesterday. And, and sometimes people are like, like even Christy said today, man, there's such a sweet spirit of the Lord in here. And I'm like, really? <laughs> and, so, and it's not like there isn't. But I no longer rely upon, or try not to rely upon, whether or not it felt good. You know what I mean? Because here's the thing. I've been in some profound worship services, man, where God was so present, emotions were high, and really no change in my life happened as a result. And I've been in some really dry ones where a lot of change happened. And so it's, it, it, yeah, I mean, I wish God always made prayer services easy, but whether they're easy and it feels like God is working, or whether it's just like hard and we're grinding it out asking God to work in our city doesn't matter to me. I know that long obedience in the same direction produces fruit. And so, praise God. That was like another mini-sermon. Maybe I'll preach a lot today. Hopefully not past 1130, though. So, let's move. So, connect cards. There is a QR code on the screen. You can use that to connect, share prayer requests, testimonies, Um, questions that you might have, information you want passed on to you, changes you've made to email address or phone numbers, anything else that you want to use, those cards are available, either the electronic version or there are paper copies out on the table in the back. The Empowered Youth will meet tonight from 5 to 6.30 uh, at the downtown location. um, House of Prayer, our last House of Prayer for the the time of fasting from 7 to 8 tonight. Encourage you to be a part of that. Uh, Next week, in honor of, you know, the national holiday of the big game. I don't think I'm allowed to say the other thing. Um, Because of that, there will be no Empowered Youth, and there will be no House of Prayer, and so get it in tonight, because it won't be there next week, but it will come again the following week. A couple upcoming events, Men's Coffee and Conversation this Saturday from 8.30 to 10.30. Our fellowship lunch will be next Sunday following the service, so be uh, making plans for that, and then the Huron Christian Ministerial Association Soup Supper is tonight from 5 to 7. So that's a fundraising event for what we call our help fund or our transit. It used to be the transient fund, but all of the churches together um, have this fund where we help different people in the community that are coming through or people that are in need. Um, And it just all gets funneled through one person, our treasurer, so that um, we're actually helping meet needs and people aren't just taking advantage of every individual church. And so that way we try to help that. And so that's tonight at the Salvation Army from 5 to 7. And so you're invited to be a part of that. Snowflakes and sweets for the Plus One Guidance Center. If you didn't get your tickets yet, there is the QR code and you can still get tickets for that all the way up through, I believe, all the way up through next week. Um, I bet you would probably be able to even purchase one at the door. So if you show up with 30 bucks, but get your seat because who knows, maybe it'll sell out and you won't be able to. And so, But um, it just so happens, I'll skip ahead to this, the business of the week Ba-bum, is the Plus One Guidance Center. And so you get to pray for the Plus One Guidance Center this week and you get to like support the Plus One Guidance Center this week. So this is just going to be a fantastic week uh, for that. So we want to encourage you to, to be a part of that. Uh, the Ladies' Painting Party coming up on March the 9th. Make sure that uh, you get registered for that either by getting a check to Christy Brantner or by using the sign-up on Church Center. You can use the sign-up on there to be a part of that and so stop by the table on your way out there is all kinds of information and stuff out there the offering baskets are there for global outreach it's a new month and so our global partners boom i do can you tell what's different other than the thermometers down because it's a new month There's a couple new pictures. So we've added a couple missionaries. We actually had one that you got, maybe got the email from me that Zach had um, decided to make a change in ministry. And so he's no longer one of our global partners, but uh, we still love him and want him to come to, if you're ever watching, Royal Family Kids Camp. Um, And then uh, Jacob Bach and Joni. I added them to the picture. And so what a great picture of um, restoration in their lives. And so those are our global partners. You can see them as they scroll through. Uh, there's also... a picture frame out in the lobby. I don't know if you've ever noticed it. All of their pictures float through there as well. And so we're in the process of trying to put something together where you can see them on a more regular basis, know who they are, know why you're giving in an offering every week. That's where it goes. And so stop by the table as you leave today. And then one last thing out there, the 40 days of decrease. Uh, This will start on February the 14th. Uh, that's Valentine's Day also for men in the room, February the 14th, and it's also Ash Wednesday this year, and so that starts at the beginning of Lent. There are schedules out there, we'll be talking more about that next Sunday morning and how we're going to use that, but for today, we are finishing up the series that we've been in. We've been finishing, we're finishing up the series that we started uh, at the beginning of the year called Believing for More in 2024. Believing for More in 2024, where, let me just be clear, Thaddeus and Marlene together made that happen for me. So they they co-authored the, the title of this series, Believing for More in 2024. That's where it came from. Uh, so finally before the end of the series, I got it right. Um, I didn't know where it came from. I just know that I heard the phrase, and uh, it just stuck with me because coming into this year, there were three words that I really believe that God had dropped into my heart, and uh, I I just texted someone this morning during prayer time, and I'm like, man, those words mean so much more than I even imagined, and that's what we've been talking about. So we've been talking about um, the idea that we cannot experience more by staying the same. We cannot keep doing what we're doing and get different results. There, there are minor shifts that have to start happening in our lives to help align us with what God is doing in our world. And I, I think we've covered that a lot already this morning. Um, in week one, if you want to go back and listen again, or if you missed it, uh, I talked about what believe is because believe is an action word. So you can't just believe for more in 2024. That's not just something you do here. Uh, you, there's action that has to happen. If you want to see more happen, there, there's an action that needs to take place. And then I defined the, the word more as more progress, more presence, more purpose. Uh, the vision of Restoration Church, these are the three things for this year ahead. That we're going to be talking about. And so we talked about more presence in 2024, meaning the, uh, being people of the presence. You don't actually get more of the Holy Spirit in your life, but we want Him to be visible. And He's visible in our lives by the fruit of the Spirit. As you start showing love and joy, but did you ever know that the fruit of the Spirit, by the way, is singular? They're not the fruits of the Spirit. So it's not like, well, I have patience, but I don't have love. It's fruit of the Spirit. So the Spirit has all of it. You just need to let work with him to let it out. Okay? So love, joy, peace, patience. That's how people know the fruit of the spirit that's how they see him the manifestations of the spirit they're not weird crazy things they're actually things that just make the spirit of God visible he was already present where you were you just made him visible by by following what he told you to say or do in that moment and so those are things we want to grow in this year you're going to keep hearing these three themes over and over as we go through this year more progress last week, and, and I, I put the five pillars. If you want to throw that slide up, I put the five pillars from last week back on the screen. If you missed this, I'd encourage you to go back um, because God wants our character to grow. This really goes with what I just shared about Peter. Um, Peter wanted, you know, you're going to be on a throne in the kingdom, but I've got to get you the character of the kingdom so you can sit on that throne. Um, one is that you believe God controls your destiny. Stop blaming whatever. Circumstances, people, like the only one that can get you out of the will of God is you. Okay, so we, we have to, to get over or through whatever's happened to us in our lives. Stop talking about it. Stop rehearsing it. If you need to go to counseling, go to counseling. Get through it because I, I agree there are traumatic things that happen to us and then I think as a society we've made everything traumatic. And so there's real trauma and then there's You know, it's time to move on and let God just do in your life what he wants to do. And the more you keep rehearsing it, you're not moving on. Okay? You have to believe God controls your destiny. Focus on your own character issues more than others. Yeah. Because other people's character issues aren't stopping the Lord from moving. Yours are. The Pharisees focused on, you know, we got to get the sinners. That's why they didn't like Jesus sitting with sinners we got to get the sinners to stop sinning, and then God will bless America. No, God will bless your America, wherever you are, when you just align with him. So focus on you, not everybody else. Leave vengeance with God. Don't take vengeance, because our perspective is always off. God is far more merciful than we are. Number four, regularly consider the possibility that you might be wrong. Now, we all will say, well, I know I'm wrong somewhere, but actually practice saying it. I was wrong practice apologizing stop in the middle of wherever you are where you think you're right and be like could I be wrong somewhere here because it's not like I'm all right or all wrong like sometimes I'm mostly right and there's enough wrong that I'm actually wrong and if I would shift my perspective and I would maybe be slow to speak I could correct that better so and then develop your external calling Um, The internal calling we talked about is what I feel like God's called me to do. The external calling is what other people see in my life. And sometimes we're like, well, God's called me to do this. And people will go to a church, and they're like, I feel like I have the gift of this. And the the church, the leadership of the church will be like, well, we think you need to grow in some areas before we put you in that. And they're like, well, those people didn't recognize my gift. Well, you needed your gift to grow, and you wouldn't submit yourself to those who were in leadership over you. And we in America don't like that word. I don't like to submit to anybody. Uh, You can't be promoted in the kingdom if you don't learn submission. It's just, it's a fact of life. And so, your kid's teacher or coach might be wrong, um, but the way you're acting is wronger. So, it, because you're not, they're not your problem. They're not your kid's problem. I'm all for defending our kids. Uh, I've had a, a conversation with a teacher in the past that I thought was wrong, and I totally supported my child, and then I submitted to what the teacher told them to do, and I said, hey, here's what you need to do. And I, they knew... Both of them knew, like, I saw it differently. I supported one, I supported the other. That's how you do it, sometimes in the tension of life. And so, that's how you walk through things. And developing our external calling is gathering around people, uh, people around our lives that are going to mentor us. And if everybody around you is telling you you're doing a great job and no one is pointing out anything wrong, you need a different mentor. That's just the, the bottom line, because there's not one of us. I mean, even Peter, Jesus is like, dude, you're going to fail, but I'm, I'm in your corner. I'm, I'm interceding for you. That's a mentor. Like, you need to repent, but I love you. So there we go. More purpose. This is where we are now. More purpose in 2024. And as we've talked about, presence, progress, purpose, they kind of all go hand in hand. Um... Today there's going to be an individual aspect of purpose, and then there's going to be a corporate aspect of purpose, and uh, we're going to talk about both of them. And if you remember, I gave questions at the beginning of this series, and those questions were—let me do this, I can't talk and do two things at once— Okay, so I gave us questions to ponder, and we're going to bring them back up at the end of the service. But as we talk about, um, you know, why why am I in Huron? Why why am I in this job? Why am I in this church? Why why all those why questions? Uh, I just recently read a book that actually just came out by a guy by the name of John Mark Comer, and uh, I have actually already shared one quote. The fasting quote came from his book, and it's called "Practicing the Way." Practicing the way. Um, if you're like, ooh, that sounds interesting. Good, because this fall we're actually going to go through that book as a church it is a part of a series. But the synopsis of the book, there's three ideas behind this whole book. One, be with Jesus. Two, be like Jesus. Three, do what Jesus did. Because that's what a disciple is. A disciple goes with a rabbi, goes with him. So when Jesus says, follow me, He's like, come be with me. I think that's still the case for us today. We need to be with Jesus so that they can learn how to be like their rabbi so that they can then go and do what their rabbi did. And that's what it means to be a disciple. And so in order to do that, when we do what Jesus did, what John Mark Homer says is there's this um, rule of life That we have to develop a rule of life. And I know some of you are like, Ooh, a rule of life. I don't think I want one of those. Well, here's the thing you already have one. Everyone in this room has a rule of life. Whether intentionally or unintentionally, we all have one. You have a way of life that you you live out, you have a morning routine that you go through. Some of you may get up early and go through like a certain routine every day that you do. Some of you may get up at the last minute and fly through your morning routine, but you have one, okay? You have a way of life. You have a typical work day. You have a budget or you have a just typical way you spend money. Either one, you have free time activities, you have hobbies that you do. So the question is not, do you have a rule of life? The question is, do you know what your rule of life is? The question is, is your rule of life giving you what you want? Another quote from John Comer, I love this little saying that comes from the business world. Maybe you've heard this quote before. Your system is perfectly designed to give you the results you are getting. I like to apply that maxim not to a widget factory or the bottom line of a spreadsheet, but to the health and growth of our souls or lack thereof. If your emotional life is off kilter, if you feel far from God, stressed, anxious, chronically mad, and you're not becoming more of a person of love, then the odds are that something about the system of your life is poorly designed because your life is the byproduct of your lifestyle. Now again, minor shifts. Like we can't be, what we do is sometimes we think, man, my health is off. So I have to like readjust everything and I, 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 I'm going to make all these major changes to my health. What? Mm. And then we can't maintain it. Whereas if we just made a minor shift, and then once we get the hang of that minor shift, if we made another minor shift, because it's not about getting to the end. It's just about starting in that direction. It's about progress. But we have to do it intentionally. See, living with more purpose in 24 is about living with intentionality. It's understanding what my rule of life is and making sure that I'm putting it into practice. I will not have more presence in my life in 2024 if I'm not intentional about it. It's not just going to happen magically. I'm not going to have more progress in my life if I'm not intentional about it. So we're not going to fix everything right away, but we have to start down that path. We don't want to get demoralized and be like, it's so big, why even try? Sometimes, as we've started talking about the downtown building, there are days where that's what I feel like. I'm like, there's so much to do, it's just impossible. And so you know what I do in those moments? I walk through the building again. I do. I do. And every time I walk through it, it smells less bad. Either that or I'm just getting used to it. I don't know. Um, but when I wa- and, I'm, and I start to, to envision things. And then I'm like, oh, here's where we need to start. And now we're developing a plan. Here's where we need to start. Here's the, the first step. We're not, it's not going to be quick. I mean, praise God, if God turns it around quick, it's good. We just need to start moving towards where we're going. Like uh, the, We just watched a one-act play on the dangers of social media. And the judges, as we were getting critiqued for the play, were just, like, mesmerized by the message of, like, yes, phones are killing us, blah, 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 blah. Right. We all know we use our phones way too much. What are you going to do about it? Because until you say intentionally, here's what I'm going to do. And what we do is we unrealistically try to set these parameters that are so big we, don't, we can't do it. Just a minor shift. One one little thing to use your phone less. That's what you need to do. But you need to be intentional. Like these are the things. We cannot make a change in our budget, our physical health, our mental health, our spiritual health, unless we do it intentionally. In John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus said these words. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Some versions use abundant. Do you know the word full, abundant, actually means like excessive? Now, when you think of excessive, I hope you're not thinking prosperity gospel-ish. Like, oh, I have too much money. (laughs) Ha! That's not what it's about. Excessive means overflowing. So, in other words, I want my life to be so full of him that it overflows. I'm generous with my time, my money, my my compliments, my energy. Like, it's... I, it's full, and now instant guilt. Well, no, my life isn't full. It's not overflowing. Okay, how do I start towards that? I'm not going to overflow tomorrow, but maybe I could overflow somewhere, in one area. Holy Spirit, where do where do I start? What do I need to do? And for some of you, maybe it's just going to bed earlier. Because when you're tired, man, it's just hard to get traction. And then some of you are like, well, but, you know, my friend, they only sleep like three hours a night. Well, you're not your friend. And if you need to sleep 10 hours a night, go to bed. Well, but I feel so guilty. Stop it. <laughs> See how this works? Now, you can't always go to bed and get 10 hours of sleep every night. But when you can, be intentional. I need to do this. I need, this is where I need to start. For some of you, it may be needing to get up earlier. Oh, I hate getting up earlier. You know how you get better at it? get up earlier. I mean, that's how you do it. It Trust me. I, don't, I didn't love getting up early when I started. No, granted, I'm way more of a morning person than most people around me. I can tell because they're always like, bring it down. I can sense it when I have too much energy early in the morning, and I try to bring it down. But Matthew chapter 10, verses 7 and 8, this is what Jesus is saying. As you go, as you go, not like, hey, go do this, but like, as you go to work tomorrow, do this. As you go to work, the, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. But don't, you don't have to use your words. Let it overflow. How does it overflow? By healing the sick, raising the dead, cleansing the lepers, driving out demons, freely receive, freely give. How, how does it overflow? When you see someone that needs water, you get water. When you see a job that needs done at work that's not in your area, you do it. Like You just become excessive. You overflow. You make him known. Like you recognize that, you know what, I've been crabby every day this week. It's time to get my joy on. Like you don't have to be me, but you don't have to be Hi. that person either. Like you, somewhere in the middle, you got to find your sweet spot. So it's not going to happen accidentally. It's not going to happen because you get in a prayer line and you get more joy. Oh, pray for me, I need more joy. Okay, but you have the Holy Spirit and He's all the joy in the world. Like, what can I do? Like, I'll pray that your perspective begins to change so you tap into the joy that overflows by the power of the Spirit. Like, that's where it is. And it's all about intentionality. In Ephesians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul says, Consider carefully how you live. Here's the thing. We can't make miracles happen. If we could... I would go to the hospital today and I'd clear the place out so that those people wouldn't have to like work so hard over there. Like I'd just do it. But I can't make miracles happen. But you know what I can do? I can create space in my life for God to fill. I can do things in my life intentionally so that I get more awareness of His presence so that I begin to overflow with Him. And then when the Holy Spirit comes and says, hey, here's what I'd like to do in this moment, in this situation. It might be a gift of healing. It might be a word of knowledge. It might be a word of wisdom. It might be something that, that I didn't decide to do, but He prompted me to do. And if I just go randomly through my day, just busy, 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 got to focus, got to do this, I'm going to miss all that. I'm not going to overflow with him. I've got to find a way to be intentional. And for some of you it's sticky notes everywhere. For some of you it's screens on your phone. For the longest time, my screen on my phone was be slow to speak. Be slow to speak. Be slow to speak because I finally had a friend in my life that said, "You know, every time I bring you an idea, all you do is shoot it through a holes. Like, why don't you just listen to me and just like m- let me find those things on my own?" I don't know. I thought I was helping. <laughs> and so it was like, "You know what?" You're absolutely right. I need to be slower to speak. And so I started to be slower to speak. And I started to just listen and say, hmm, that's an interesting idea. Let's think about that. Let's process that. Or I would say, huh, what, like, what, are, you, what are you thinking about that? Like, do you think there's any problems with, with that? Interesting. All because I was Intentional. Every time I looked at my phone, I was, it was a reminder. Be slow to speak, be slow to speak, be slow to speak. I probably need to bring that back to my, my screen protector. So when I said to you, hey, why do you live in Huron? Why do you work where you work? The point of these questions is not to get you to change jobs or cities. The point of those questions is to get us to change our perspective and our attitude. If I'm in Huron, outside the will of God, I need to move. But if God is okay with me living in Huron, then I better get a good attitude about this city. If I'm at this job that I'm at, outside the will of God, I need to change. I'm not saying you have to be at that job forever. Maybe it's a job that you're in for the season of your life, and it's hard, and you hate it, but you know that's where you need to be. You need a better attitude about it. Because you might be there longer than you need to be if you don't get a better attitude about it. Because for God to take you to the next place that God wants to take us, he needs to do works in us. So you need to move from a J-O-B to a calling. If I got up here every week and said, man, I am so sick of pastor in this church. Like, you people just disgust me. Why do you, like nobody, would I pastor here long? Would you come for long? Some of you probably would. You'd be like, well, give it to us, Pastor. <laughs> Marv would be here. <laughs> give it to us, Pastor. We need it. But that's the you walk into your job and it's like. Bah, 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 bah. Are you gonna overflow with anything today? Probably not, because God doesn't inhabit the complaints of his people. Ooh, that's a good word, Pastor Tom, but you should move on because it's touchy. We have to live with a sense of divine appointment. No, here's the thing. It's not going to magically happen tomorrow. But when, when you start complaining, recognize it and stop. Repent. Turn back to me. Hey, hey, Satan has asked to sift all of you like wheat this week. And so when you fail, repent. Turn back. Strengthen your brothers. And strengthening your brothers might be sharing on the app, hey, man, I really blew it today, but God brought it to my mind, and I repented. Oh, man, you're, that, they're right. I, I forgot all about that. I was just complaining and boom, strengthen your brothers. Sometimes it's sharing the mistakes we make. Sometimes it's just an encouragement. Hey, I noticed you at the store today, and man, that, that cashier was really slow, and I watched you, and man, the patience you had, praise God. Not like, hey, let me tell you about this person I had at work today. There are two types of pig pens. You're creating a cloud around your life. Which one are you creating? If we want to overflow with the kingdom, we have to start with our perspective and you have to be a great employee. Praise God, Pastor Tom. You have to be a great employee. You have to show up on time. You have to stay there. You have to give your best there. You have to talk about that company well. If you can't, get a different job. Because the kingdom of God will not bless you where you're sour, and you're complaining and you're wasting. Like this these are practical things, but this is this is how the kingdom expands in our lives. Now, your boss may be a jerk. Absolutely. But that doesn't matter. Because your attitude is all that matters as far as you being promoted in the kingdom. And if you get promoted in the kingdom, the kingdom comes with you and you can change the atmosphere of your workplace, which may actually start changing your boss. Or at least change your attitude and realize, oh, they're not so bad after all. Oh, this is such a good sermon. Colossians chapter (laughs) 3. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not human masters since you know you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you're serving. I don't know if it could get any clearer than that. Martin Luther King Jr., I love him. He said this, Whatever your life's work is, do it well. If it falls your lot to be a street sweeper, sweep streets like Michelangelo painted pictures, like Shakespeare wrote poetry, like Beethoven composed music. Sweep streets so well that all the hosts of heaven and earth will have to pause and say, here lived a great street sweeper who swept his job well. I didn't say it nearly as poetically as he did. But man, is that truth. It changes our perspective when we understand we're on mission, and we will not see the miraculous if we're not doing this well first. The grumpy, complaining minimalist will not live under the blessing of heaven. So let's shift our perspective. That's individually. Let's talk about our purpose as a church, corporately. Before we even start, let me talk about the dangers of the two ditches, because there's this ditch where we do not establish boundaries, and we do too much. We feel guilty that we're not serving enough. We feel guilty that we're not doing enough, and so we do too much, and we fall into a ditch, and we get burned out. There's another ditch where we establish far too many boundaries, and we're like, we just don't do anything. We really only care about ourselves. Um, It's not really about the body of Christ, it's just about me and my family. Can I tell you, those are both ditches, and they're somewhere in the middle that you and I need to find ourselves. Far too many of the Western church, the American European church, treats church like Burger King, where you just have it your way. We live in a hyper-individualistic culture where it's really all about me. We've, We've done this in a lot of different ways. Um... There's a book called Misreading Scripture Through Western Eyes, which I also read recently. And this, you may have seen this quote. Uh, I couldn't resist putting this one on Facebook. It's just a great one. We sing the beautiful praise chorus. It's all about you, Jesus. But who are we kidding? It's all about Jesus as long as it's in a service I like, in a building I like, with people I like, with music I like, for a length of time I like. At some point in this generation, take up your cross and follow me, Changed into come to Jesus, and he'll make your life better. Ouch. Stepped on our toes a little bit there. The danger of personalizing the gospel. Now, I know. Jesus, it's, it's personal. Yes. The, the idea that we, we perpetuate, if you were the only one, Jesus would have still died. Doesn't even matter. Because it's, it's not all about me. You know, take the promises of God and put your name in them. Well, Why do we talk about understanding the Scripture well? Because when we don't understand the Scripture well, there's a trickle-down effect where we have a problem. The easiest one, the one we talk about the most, is that God has a wonderful plan for your life because Jeremiah 29.11 says it. Right there it is. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Praise God. Okay. Let's talk about it for just a second. First of all, the word you is plural in there. So God's plan for you, plural, his people on the world, may not be the best for you as an individual. Because this is actually spoken to the people of God that are about to go into captivity. Now, when they're about to go into captivity, I have plans not to harm you. Please tell that to King Zedekiah. Because when Zedekiah went into captivity, he had to watch all of his sons be murdered in front of him by the Babylonians, and then they plucked out his eyes right after. Really? God doesn't have any plans to harm you? That really looks like harm. But I have plans to prosper you, and yet many of them went into slavery in Babylon. They weren't all like Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego living in the high life in Babylon. Okay, there was some slavery that took place. So prosper hope. It wasn't an individual promise. The promise was, you've been disobedient, you're going into captivity, but I am bringing a remnant back. And we in the Western culture, hey, if I don't care if the whole world is blessed, I want to be blessed. It's all about how this affects me. That's just an unbiblical idea. And, and it's trickled into the church. And so, I'm not gonna, if you buy a card that has this and you give it to me, I'm not going like to send it back. I'm not going to do that. Okay? I, I, can, I have balance in my life. But this is why I think it's a danger. Because now, we treat church like, I didn't like that church. I didn't like how they treated me. I didn't like what they were doing. I didn't, I, 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 I. There is a lot of you plurals in the Word of God. And someday, I will establish my dream of creating a Bible where all the you plurals are in a different color so you and I will understand that the Bible wasn't written to me. It was written to us. And sometimes, I have to sacrifice me for us. Not every time. Again, boundaries. But sometimes. We don't like to do that in our western culture look at james chapter 4 why do you fight and argue with each other well that's a great question why do we james isn't it because you're full of selfish desires that fight to control your body well i don't think so (laughs) yeah every argument ends up i'm not i'm standing for the truth are you sure are you sure Because Jesus stood for the truth and he didn't do a lot of arguing. Well, people are stubborn. They were then too. He just walked away. He dropped a truth bomb sometimes and he didn't drop it everywhere. We feel like we have to drop it everywhere. You want something, but you don't have. And you will do anything to get it. You'll even kill to get it. Still, you cannot get what you want. You won't stop fighting and arguing. You should pray for it. Yet, even when you do pray, your prayers aren't answered because you pray just for selfish reasons. Ouch. This is the the culture of the Western church. It's very selfish. It's very me-oriented. But we can't change everybody. So what do I do? Well, I'm going to change me. I'm going to make sure that I'm less selfish. I'm going to start learning how to deny myself. I'm going to, like, I have to work on me. So Paul tells us in Romans chapter 12 what to do. For by the grace given to me, to Paul, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself, these are individual terms now, more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. In accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Meaning, you are where you are by the grace of God. Not because you're smarter than the the idiot across the street who can't get his ducks in a row because he doesn't have as much common sense as you. That's not the truth of God's word. You are where you are by the grace of God, period. It's not your common sense or your work ethic or your strong American values that got you where you are. It's the grace of God, period, that got us where we are. And we have to remind ourselves of that often or we'll start thinking of ourselves more highly than we ought and mistreating those around us. I have to make sure that I'm reminding myself often it's not all about me. Because if I always choose what's best for me every single time, I will choose eventually to go back to Egypt. Think about that. If I always choose what's best for me every time, Eventually, I will go back to Egypt. Why did you bring us out into this place? It was better for us in Egypt. It was better for me, better for me, better for me, better for me. This doesn't mean that you should never do what's best for you and your family. Never. It doesn't mean that. We've got to come in from the ditches, and we've got to find a way to walk this out. Verse 4, just as each of us has one body with many members, these members do not all have the same function. So stop making everyone like you. Everyone doesn't have to be like you, think like you, act like you, walk like you, serve like you, serve in the same position as you. Like, there's different functions. In Christ, we form one body. And here's the best line of this. Each belongs to all the others. Paul, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, not on the screen, says... If you're this part of the body, you can't say to another part of the body, I don't need you. And yet, we do that all the time in the Western church. We don't tell people we don't need them. We just say, well, I don't need that. I don't need to be a part of that. I don't, I don't, I, 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 I. We all have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. We all need the other members of the body. And it's not just about what I need for my growth. It's what's needed for our growth. And too often, we look at the church and we're like, well, I, I don't think the church has that right. And so I, I don't need to be a part of that. Well, the question is, if I, only need, if I only do what I need to be a part of, who does what you need to be a part of? Well, I don't need nursery. Nursery. I don't need nursery either. Why do we have a nursery? Let's stop having a nursery. I don't need nursery. Do you need nursery? No, I don't need a nursery. So I shouldn't serve in the nursery because I don't need it. Really? Or, well, I just don't have time. It's because it's all about me. Now again, remember the ditches, because some of you I don't want you to fall off. But we've got to bring this in. We've got to be realistic. This church is the byproduct of the members of this church. This church is not the byproduct of the Assemblies of God. It's not the byproduct of Pastor Tom. It's not the byproduct of the Deacon Board. We all have our part to play. We all have a responsibility. We all have to judge ourselves. But by and large, it's the product of the body. That is who we are. And each of us needs to take that perspective. If I only engage in what I think I need, then who engages in what someone else needs that's not even here yet? oh, Lord, please help our church grow. Well, I want to bring this person, but you're not ready for them. And so I can't. And we're just talking minor shifts again. Think minor shifts. Please do not think big things. Minor shifts is all we need to start doing. I believe the church has gone off course in the Western world, and it needs some adjustments. I do. And I think it always will. I don't think the church will ever get to the place where it's fully correct and never needs adjustments. And so these people, I read a book once called Love Jesus, Hate Church. (laughs) Yeah, of course, I was in Barnes & Noble with some people and it caught my eye and so I started reading it and I forced myself to finish it. The worst book I've ever seen. How can you hate the body of Christ? It's just bizarre. Is it broken? Yes, but he died for it. And if he died for it, it shows value and I need to engage with it. And here's the thing, I say this all the time. If this isn't a body where you can engage, then by all means, go to one you can. Because you cannot meet your full potential, and neither can we without every part doing its work. I think we're all supposed to be here. We need to start saying, God, where do I shift? Where are the spiritual fathers and mothers? Last week I said everybody needs a mentor. Where are the spiritual fathers and mothers that are going to do that, that are going to mentor someone? It's not all about me. Then Paul says, if your gift is prophesying, prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, serve. If it's teaching, teach. If it's encourage, give encouragement. If it's giving, give. If it's leading, do it diligently. If it's mercy, showing it, doing it cheerfully. He's not saying these are the only gifts that, that happen or matter, but he's saying every one of you have something to bring. Every one of you, every time we gather, have something to bring that's going to make this church the, the body of Christ that it's called to be. And until we start engaging in that in a a regular way, it's not going to happen. And can I tell you, before you think it, we don't need to to develop anything external right now. Oh, pastor, if we just did this, if we just added this, if we just had this, if we just started this, if we just used this program, nope. It's not an external problem, it's an internal one. Because we can establish all kinds of programs. We can have Bible studies, we can have potlucks every Sunday, we can do all these things, Until the internal shift starts to happen, the external won't matter. I need to start doing something. I need to show up earlier. I need to to engage with people rather than the same people. I need to actually start finding out. There are people in this room I don't know their names. How can I be a spiritual father and mother if I don't even know their names? I'm assuming you're very quiet because you're like processing. That's what I'm going to assume. The point, I'm not trying to make anyone feel guilty and just overwhelmed. I'm saying if we're going to grow, this is what it's going to take. This is the body of Christ. This is the the scripture. And it's going to take persistence. It's going to take perseverance. It's going to take overlooking flaws and mistakes. It's going to take working through difficulties. That's what the body of Christ is all about. That's why it's called a family. And we can't say, well, I tried this, or I tried that. It's about learning how to get into the body of Christ. Hebrews chapter 10. The writer of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 10 says this. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching how do I do that? It may take another week of prayer and fasting. Maybe not the same exact one you just went through, but maybe it's time to say, Lord, where does the shift need to happen in my life? Where does the shift need to happen for me in our church? Like, these are true things. Like, what I presented for you was the end of the road over there. Now, how do I start on that path? What what small thing has to happen? Why are we here? Why am I in Huron? Why am I at this job? Why am I in this church? Is this where God wants me? Am I living like it? Why do I do what I do? Why do I attend church? Why do I serve? Why do I not serve? Why do I read my Bible? How do I use my social media? Why do I not do what I don't do? Am I just finding an excuse or is it really what God doesn't want me to do? Am I giving my yes? Am I giving my no? Why don't I study the word more? Why don't I attend a prayer meeting? Why don't I engage with a local body beyond Sunday morning? Like these were some of the questions at the beginning. I said, hey, ponder these. Why do we do them? Why do we not do them? Every one of us has a rule of life. The question is, am I aware of what my rule of life is? And is my rule of life actually leading me where I want to go? And if you're like, I, I don't know, take heart, because we're going to spend the rest of the year talking about all these things. More presence, more progress, more purpose. And so, Father, thank you for this body. Man, we, over the last several years, God, have walked through some some crazy times together. The the craziness of, of COVID and the shutdown. God, the dream of changing locations, selling a building, moving to a downtown location, becoming a different kind of church and style of church, and maybe we don't even fully know how to articulate what all of that looks like yet. But God, the most important part of this journey is that we stay on it together. We recognize that in this year ahead, we need you. God, we sang it over and over today. Lord, I need you. We need more awareness of your presence. So Holy Spirit, show us the adjustments that need to be made in our lives so that we're more aware of your presence. Show us the areas of our lives that need adjusted so that we continue to make more progress in 2024. And help us to be far more intentional than we've ever been before. Intentional with our yes and intentional with our no. In our individual lives, the areas of our lives that need adjustment, spiritually, physically, emotionally. The areas corporately as a body where we need adjustment. God, forgive us for the pride and selfishness in our lives. Every one of us has areas of pride. Every one of us have areas of selfishness. And it doesn't matter whether someone has more or less and it doesn't matter if they're in different places than ours. We don't want ours anymore. And so, Holy Spirit, show us where those are and show us the adjustments that need to begin to be made so that we can be a body that puts you on display in this community. So that as individuals, everywhere we go, we manifest your presence. That the fruit of the Spirit becomes more evident. That the manifestations of the Spirit show the people around us, God's here. And I just didn't know it. And so, Father, continue to birth that dream in our hearts and help us to be intentional to move towards it. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. A lot to chew on in that one, a lot to think about. And as I said, as we go through the remainder of this year, uh, that's, that's going to be our prayer. Uh, I want to encourage you, again, pick up a copy, 40 Days of Decrease. There are schedules out there as well that uh, help you know which day to read. We're going to do a U-version Bible reading plan that doesn't necessarily correspond to this, but there's one scripture passage that you're going to have to read every day, but it's going to continue to give us the opportunity to make comments on the reading every day. And so we'll talk a little bit more about that as we dive into that next week. And so make sure you stop by the table as you go Uh, today. Thanks for being here. God bless you as you go.